Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio is going on everybody we are back this is episode 232 of the dark windows podcast my name is kevin the tiny sneeze is my son i'm kevin (laughs) so as you as you've already heard we're joined by our second shortest guest host of all time after aaron who's not much taller than him um not much not much but uh i know everybody like there's people out there that when we go on a baseball rant, there's some people that are like, I like when you guys talk about baseball. And then there's people that are like, why are you talking about fucking sports? So this will be the one and only time anybody ever gets a trigger warning on this show. This is all goddamn baseball. Uh-huh. So if you don't like it, come back next week when we talk about I don't know. Or pay $5 and go listen to another episode coming out this week on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Dark Windows Podcast. Where we're going to be talking about something not baseball or sports. What is it? I can tell Is them. it gross? Not, well, well no. if you tell them, maybe that'll fucking like, entice right. people in. It's an assa- assassination. Oh, sweet. sweet. Presidential assassination. Man. Well, who's your favorite presidential assassination? <laughs> 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 Which one do you think was the least effective? What president being killed had the least effect on anything? The one I'm going to talk about. Oh, sweet. Okay. <laughs> okay. As you say, I mean, it wouldn't have been Lincoln because that, you know, like fucking theater, like theater tickets just fell right off the cliff after that. Um, yeah. It couldn't have been JFK because then all the whores disappeared too. So. Well, the whores. I mean, then his cousin killed one in a, in a car in a river. But he won't admit it, but he's also dead, so fuck him. He was a piece of shit. Drunk old fuck. Anyway. There's only other one other. And he died in a plane crash. No, presidential. Oh. I don't know. I think my favorite failed presidential assassination would have been uh, Andrew Jackson, because he beat the dog shit out of that guy afterwards. True. He True. beat the fuck out of him. It's fantastic. He did. Or Teddy Roosevelt, who just jammed a finger in it and uh, like went on with his speech. I was like, I'll deal with him later. I think he may have killed that guy. He probably did. I think he did. Like, bring him to my office. <laughs> yeah, I'll deal with him later. He just stands up and takes his shirt off. He goes, you put your finger in my hole. <laughs> what? You, fi- you finger my hole <laughs> now. Made the guy stick the finger in the bullet hole. He just turned his chest and just fucking snapped his finger and then beat him to death. I could see it. I can see Teddy doing that. He was yeah. a bad motherfucker. He was smoking a cigar, too. He the was the 
He was the dominant Roosevelt. Yeah, he like humped all the other Roosevelts. Yeah, and then like, like took dominance. What, what's fucking FDR gonna do? Roll at him, weak bitch with no legs. Well, I mean, fucking loser. He could, he could walk at first. And his weird ass wife. Uh, who's his cousin? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our royal family fucks each other too, England. So the uh, I mean, FDR was like. I don't like how this country's going. Yeah. I served two terms. Guess what? I'm coming back. You got polio from a werewolf, too. <laughs> You've never seen FDR American Badass? No. Oh, my God. I it's mean, so said, fucking I good. F- I said FDR. I meant fucking Teddy. Oh, no. Teddy F- came back. So FDR American Badass, like, FDR was fine. And then, as you know, like, when he was a, a, a younger man, before he became president, he was attacked by a werewolf. And that's how he got polio. On Oak Island? It was a Nazi werewolf. On Oak Island? No. No, it was at his family's home. Um, on Oak Island? No, it wasn't Oak Island. It was... I don't you, know where the fuck it was. You know he went to Oak Island. I don't right? give a fuck he went to Oak Island. We're not talking about that. We're talking about him getting attacked by a werewolf again, polio. <laughs> I just said he got attacked on Oak Island. So you had uh, werewolf Hitler. There was werewolf Mussolini. And there was also... Super fucking racist, but it was hilarious. There was a uh, werewolf Tojo. <laughs> So all the access powers were werewolves. Um, and every time, like when, when he was in the hospital, they'd flip the sheets up. Like, how are my legs, doctor? And they'd, they'd the camera would pan down, and it was basically like two little hot dogs with toes on it just wiggling. He's like, I don't know, man. Your legs are pretty bad. <laughs> it's fucking incredible. Uh, I think Ross Patterson directed it. He's, it's pretty good. I think it's on Amazon. Check it out. It's good. Anyway. Lamageddon's so, fucking ridiculous. So that's a B, B flick? Oh, yeah. It's, it's intentionally bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what, I mean, what, 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 the other, what was that one that we watched that was a B-flick? Uh, Fido. Oh, Fido's fantastic. Fido was good. Yeah. Um, then you have uh, the one that Shelby just mentioned, Lamageddon, where uh, the black guy in it, every time the camera pans off of him and then comes back, he's wearing a different shirt. Every, like, I'd say probably 90% of the camera changes off of him and then back to him, he's wearing a different shirt. Huh. It's fantastic. Interesting. It's so bad that it's fun to watch. Okay. So, anyway, um, let's so stop. You, uh, <laughs> let's not talk about any more dumb bullshit. We got baseball. So yeah, let's, let's get into the baseball. So there's two things in my life that are absolute when it comes to sports. I love baseball, and I hate the goddamn Yankees. That's true. Some of the most vile, despicable individuals in the history of the game have played for the Empire of Evil. Um, most notably, as you know, someone who grew up a Red Sox fan, you have Bucky fucking Dent and Aaron fucking Boone. Both of those guys can eat dicks and go to hell, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Yes. In that order? Yes. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, if you grew up a Red Sox fan, you thought that Bucky fucking Dent was his, like, given name. Like, you thought that was his middle name because he's a piece of shit and everybody hates him. And then Aaron Boone broke all of our hearts in 2003. Dickhead. Had hit that one fucking home run. But that's also because they left Pedro in too long because the manager was a fucking moron. Saying it. Saying it. Who who was the manager? I believe it was John Valentin at the time. Because Tito took over the next year and went to the World Series. Oh, okay. So, you know, basically everybody that played for the Yankees in the 90s and 2000s to me was an enemy combatant. And should have been treated as such. Um, there was a very few of them. Like as I've gotten older, 
you go back and watch like old games and stuff. Hip hip Jorge. Yeah, like there's some guys where you're like, you know, he's a good player. I just hated him because he played for the Yankees. You know, you got guys like Mike Messina, Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada, Paul O'Neill, fucking uh, Andy Pettit. I actually liked him when I was when he was still playing because I found out that he mm-hmm. had asthma, like I did when I was a kid. And it's like, my man, why I like Jerome Bettis? Fucking asthma. Derek Jeter. Then you have Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera, who may very well possibly be the best Yankees of the last 40 years. The two best representations of that team in the last 40 years, probably. I think, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and came, Derek, came Derek Jeter might not even be the best shortstop that's ever played for that, for them. We're going to talk about a guy. I mean, came to the team, stayed with the team. Yeah, Never exactly. left the team. Derek Jeter came up to the farm system. I have a card to prove it. Yeah. You know? Um, and I, I would have not been upset if either one of those guys, you know, switched sides and put on the gray and red and played for the Red Sox. I would have been. Uh, I, I, I would have been so not hurt. Right. I mean, <laughs> could you imagine having Derek Jeter and Dustin Pedroia on the field at the same time when they're both fairly in their prime? Mm. Anything hit up the middle is fucking getting, getting played. Probably, yeah. And I know there's people out there, Derek Jeter's overrated. No, he's not. Fuck you. No. He's, he's good. He was no. good. You know, I, I mean, I guess six golden gloves over the course of his career is overrated, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. How many do you have? Zero. Yeah. I mean, he 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 just, he, shit. Excel, excellence. He and, did. You know, pissed excellence. I mean, geez. I mean, and when I was playing baseball, I played a position that the only requirements to win a Golden Glove were to not be fucking Bill Buckner. You just make simple plays, and you're good. Hey, you know that's all you got to do. Listen, he was really good. He made one bad play. He had goddamn food poisoning in the World Series, and he made a bad play. Shit happens. It happens. He I, he probably shit himself. I would imagine. Probably did. And then the fucking just MLB was like, here, we have a whole team full of cokeheads. We'll just give them rings. Because, <laughs> like, the 86 Mets, if you needed cocaine in baseball, it was them. And believe me, we're going to talk about that at some point. But they were good. They were fucking fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the you had straw. You Doc. had strawberry. Uh, Doc. Doc Gooden, who those two are actually related, believe it or not. Oh, really? They're cousins, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. They're, uh, uh, Gary Sheffield's related to him through the fucking grapevine huh. somewhere, too. And uh, he had, uh, Keith Hernandez is a giant cokehead. Uh, fucking Lenny Dykstra is a train wreck. Um, it was a toss-up between and, who we're going to talk about and Lenny Dykstra, to be completely and honest. And you have, uh, 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 fuck, what's, what was this, the catcher? Um, Gary Carter? Gary Carter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Probably the best fucking catcher the Mets have ever had. Probably. Best maybe. straight catcher the Mets have ever had. Whatever. I mean, whatever. Mike Piazza's good, but he was definitely, like, licking his bats and stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the thing is with baseball is some of the biggest personalities on the team rarely even step on the field. Because managers are some of the most interesting people in the organization. Damn right. You got guys like Lou Pinella, who was famous for kicking dirt on umpires and literally stealing bases when he got thrown out of games. Yeah. He'd go out and steal fucking second base and take it back to the <laughs> back to the clubhouse with him. Um, Tommy Lasorda, who beat the shit out of the Philly Fanatic once. Um, Earl Weaver, who I'm actually going to play 
an Earl Weaver uh, clip here because when he was managing the Orioles back in the 70s, he had his own radio show that he would go do after the game. And I'm, okay. going, to, I'm going to play for you the final episode of the Manager's Corner with Earl Weaver. I'm going to throw that in right here. Now, the Manager's Corner with the thoughts and opinions of the American League's winningest manager, the Orioles' Earl Weaver. And now, to the Manager's Corner with Earl Weaver. Well, Bill Whitehouse, Earl, from uh, Frederick, Maryland, wants to know why you and the Orioles don't go out and get some more team speed. Team speed, for Christ's sake. You get fucking goddamn little fleas on the fucking bases, getting picked off, trying to steal, getting thrown out, taking runs away from you. You get them big cocksuckers that can hit the fucking ball out of the ballpark, and you can't make any goddamn mistakes. <laughs> well, well, certainly this show is going to go down in history, Earl. Terry Elliott of Washington, D.C. wants to know why you don't use Terry Crowley as a designated hitter all the time. Well, Terry, Terry Crowley's lucky he's in fucking baseball, for Christ's sake. He was released by the Cincinnati Reds. He was released by the fucking goddamn Atlanta Braves. We saw that Terry Crowley could sit on his fucking ass for eight innings and enjoy watching a baseball game just like any other fan and has the ability to get up there and break one open in the fucking ninth. So if this cocksucker denied his own business and let me manage the fucking team, we'd be a lot better off. Well, certainly you've made your opinions known on the fans' questions about baseball, Earl, but let's get to something else. Alice Sweet from Norfolk wants to know the best time to put in a tomato plant. Alice Sweet ought to be worried about where the fuck her next lady's coming from rather than where her next goddamn tomato plant's coming from. If she'd get her ass out to fucking bars at night and go hustling around the goddamn street, she might get a prick stuck in her once in a while. I don't understand where these questions are coming from, Tom. That's about it from Manager's Corner. Go fuck yourself and the fuck with your show coming up next on the Baltimore Oriole Baseball Fucking Network. <laughs> so... Considering how much profanity was there, that's not even his worst outburst. His worst one was on the field, but I, <laughs> I didn't have time to put that one in. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty fucking great, right? That, um, that was funny shit. Whew, man. Uh, so, like, all of these guys have real big personalities, but in my opinion, none of them can hold a candle to the guy we're talking about today. His name is Alfred, Manu uh, Alfred Manuel Martin Jr., better known as Billy Martin. Okay, yeah. The name's ringing a bell, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. He was born May 16th, 19, uh, 1929 in Berkeley, California, to his mother, Jenny, and to his father. Um, since he was a junior, you could probably guess what his father's name was. Uh, um, it was also Alfred. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how juniors work. Oh, okay. Um, unless you're Otis Nixon, uh, who played for... A bunch of different teams. His name was Otis Jr. Nixon Jr. He was a junior. And his father gave him the middle name of Junior also. Huh. Okay. Another giant crackhead that we could have talked about. But he, So his dad was kind of a piece of shit. Um, and Jenny gave him the boot before Billy was even born. Uh, there's some reasoning for that. Uh, Jenny worked as a prostitute and Senior wasn't a real big fan of that. And uh, he used to drag her back home and beat the shit out of her for... Fucking dudes for money. Okay. Uh, there's one story that goes that Junior and Jenny got into a real heated argument, and she pulled a kitchen knife. And oh. she proceeded to put it to Billy's throat when he was just a few months old and said, if you don't leave, I'm going to kill the baby. So, obviously, there's there's some mental health issues going on in both, both parents here. Yeah. Um, th the next time Billy saw his old man, he was 15 years old, and they met up long enough for... 
both of them to mutually agree that they wanted nothing to do with the other. So works out pretty good in everybody's favor. Um, he grew up pretty rough. He got picked on constantly by other kids in the neighborhood because growing up, he was real short and he had a huge fucking nose. He had a weird uh-huh. height to nose ratio. Um, there's a lot of people that make jokes about him being short in his, you know, like in his playing career and this, that, the other. He was 5'11". I mean, that's not really short. That's my height. You know, no. if, he, if he was like 5'5", five five, you could pick on him for being a little shit. He's 5'11". That's, that's average height. Still yeah. a big goddamn nose, though. Um, yeah, true. So any kid that got picked on for being goofy looking and not having a dad back in the 40s, he started getting into fights on the street, and this led to him getting into boxing. Um, his older brother, which I didn't find his name, but I did think it was funny that his older brother wasn't the junior, but he is. Um, but he was actually working out with some Major League Baseball players in the offseason, um, and he brought you know, young Billy over to, to hang out and throw some balls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this is pretty common, I guess, back in the day, like during the off season, these guys would go home, they'd find, you know, neighborhood kids, teenagers and shit that would go out and throw a ball with them just to keep them in shape. Um, and the guy that they were throwing balls with was a guy by the name of Augie Galen, who was a Cubs outfielder at the time. Okay. Um, I'm sure Cubs fans know who he is. I have no fucking clue. I, I don't know. I, I can name you a couple of Cubs. Uh, like Moises Alou was a Cub. Uh, Kerry Wood was a Cub. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Rizzo was a Cub. Ryan Sandberg. Ryan Sandberg. Andre Dawson. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, who's hitting bombs in Philly. Kyle Schwarber. Also, uh, who also fucking nuked the British team. Is also probably like the best pitcher of all time. Well, who? The, the, the smartest pitcher of all time, I who? should say. Uh, Mr. John Maddox. John Maddox, huh? I mean, not, uh, Greg Maddox. Jesus Christ, dude. Ooh, wow. Greg Man, Maddox. I'm going to tell him you said that the next time I see him. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's like, fine. Fucking A, dude. Yeah, um, Greg Maddox, the fucking wizard on the mound. He had a painting company, but he lost a lot of business because all he did was corners. Yeah. I mean, he's the only guy that was like, get that. <laughs> only guy that was like, you knew what was coming, you had to try to hit it. Yeah. And oh, look at this fucking goof with his glasses, and he's throwing 97,000 miles an hour. And breaking balls that are like, look like they're coming at your head and then they'll land in the fucking other batter's box. Eat dicks. Greg Maddox was the best. Yeah, Greg Maddox, like, you know, yeah, he probably didn't throw what? Uh, yeah. well, didn't have a lot of heat, speed. but Jesus Christ, the movement. Top speed was probably like, what, 90 maybe? Yeah, but that, back then nobody was throwing real hard. Fucking Randy Johnson was throwing 106 miles an hour, but he's fucking huge. Nolan Ryan was throwing fat, hard. Nolan Ryan was pretty much out of baseball by then, though. Not when Maddox was on... Uh, the Cubs. He wasn't around much longer after that. Because uh, that was like in the 80s that he was in the Cubs. Yeah. So, I mean, he was into the 90s. Yeah, but Nolan Ryan's also the only pitcher to hit the same batter six times in one inning. 56 times. Robin, <laughs> fucking, uh, Robin Ventura. <laughs> charged the mound and got his ass whooped by an old man at that point. Um, so, yeah, this is all kind of, like, again, this is all kind of off-season stuff that these big leaguers were doing. Yep. Um. So Augie Galen took an interest in, in young Billy because he saw that there was some potential there and kind of took him under his wing a little bit. By the time Billy gets into high school, he's been practicing with big leaguers for five or six years. Okay. Okay. The fact that he was already a talented baseball player kind of helped him keep from being harassed by other kids in the neighborhood. Um, and this is also Berkeley, but it's before 
like the hippies showed up and shit, but it was still like, it was still a really wealthy area and Billy was dirt ass poor. He's like the only one of these kids with a single mom that's fucking not making any money. He, his family was poor. He was the poorest kid in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Hmm. But when I say he was a good ball player, I mean, he hit 450 in his senior year at Berkeley High School. So anybody not familiar with how baseball wow. stats work? That's really good. That's just shy of being every other at bat throughout the season. He got a hit. He got on base. Yeah. That's pretty goddamn impressive. Um, that's not pretty goddamn. That is impressive. So just to put it into perspective, because my baseball autism kicked in and I was like, oh, numbers. Um the major league average for 2022 was 241. Uh, the top five leaders in batting average were Freddie Freeman from the Dodgers, Luis Ariz from the Twins, Aaron Judge from the Yankees and his goddamn baby teeth, and Jeff McNeil from the Mets. Uh-huh. McNeil had the highest batting average of all of them in Major League Baseball at 326. So to put it like this, the year he was a senior in 1947, Ted Williams, who is arguably the greatest Red Sox player of all time, don't disagree. Hit 343. This is six years after he set the record, like the gold standard that will probably never be beat mm. of 406 batting average for the season. Yeah. So he had a higher batting average his senior year than Ted Williams did, who was also the batting champion that same year. When well, yeah, I remember that bad. Also, during that time, you played with a wooden bat mm-hmm. the whole time. So, I mean, yep. you know, Little League... All the way up through. Wooden bat. Dudes weren't fucking juicing. Analytics weren't a thing. You didn't have weight rooms and shit. No. These were dudes that were just jacked up on fucking hot dogs out there. Look at Babe Ruth. He hit all those home runs on fucking whiskey, cigars, and, and brats. Yeah. You know. I mean, or you're just a farm boy. <laughs> exactly. Fucking Jim Tomey. Jesus Christ. One of the best hitters of his generation. Honest Wagner. Or, uh, you know, Ty Cobb, who wasn't really as racist as everybody thinks he was. He was an asshole. He was an asshole, but he wasn't nearly as racist as everybody thinks he was. He was racist. He beat up a black guy because the ba- a black guy spit on him. That's the, the full story. It was like he walked through and the guy spit on him and he beat the shit no, out of him. No, his, he... You can't, he was... you can't go off of what the fucking movie said. You have to, like, look into it. He didn't have that much of a problem. There was, yes, there were certain people that he had a problem with, as anybody would. So this is the first time I'm going to mention this. It's definitely not the last. Billy had a, a real short fuse on the field and off the field for that matter, actually. Um, he was the guy that if you're out there st- like talking shit about him or a teammate, he's going to fight you whether you like it or not. Mm. It's, it's happening, you know. Um, at one point in time, he got into a brawl with someone on the other team and just beats the shit out of this guy in the middle of the field, resulting in him getting kicked off of his team in high school. Um so he got kicked off of his high school baseball team because he beat the shit out of somebody behind the pitcher's mound. No boy. And this is also before you had kind of like a draft system. So these major league baseball teams are sending scouts out to high school games or college games or whatever. Yeah. Um, but most teams that had heard about his temper passed on him because they don't want that kind of energy in the clubhouse. It's not good in the locker room. Yeah. Um, of course. They didn't think it was. Put it that way. Yeah. He did end up getting a tryout with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Ooh. Um, Billy played second base. He got beat out for the position by some guy named Jackie Robinson. I mean, I guess he was pretty good at baseball. 
you know, he yeah. hasn't been mentioned in years, so who really knows? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, who knows the guy? Yeah, gets his own fucking day and stuff. I know. Number retired across the across Whatever. the sport. What a fucking loser, right? Jesus. Um, I mean, only fucking plays in the in the Negro leagues and fucking you know was whatever, but whatever. I mean, not just that. He was also the first African American to play in the World Series. So true. Uh, but this is not the last time that Billy and Jackie Robinson are going to meet on the field. But he wasn't actually technically the first. He was not black man. He was to play. the he was the first black player in the American League. There was a guy in the National League that beat him by a couple of months, but nobody remembers him because he sucked. He played for the Pirates, right? He wasn't that good. That's why no. That's why he doesn't have a fucking day. And Jackie Robinson did because Jackie Robinson was fucking magic. He yes, <laughs> I mean hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's no. What else can you? How else can you put into perspective what he was doing? I mean, nothing. I mean, I'm sure that at the time they would have been like, "Well, we need to study his skull because we also know that black people have an extra bone in their foot that makes them faster than everybody else." Because <laughs> um, phrenology was a thing, and that's just fucking stupid. But, um, uh, boy. So fear not, though, because the Oakland Oaks, which is basically a minor league team, they're now the Oakland A's. <clears throat> Um, their manager, uh, another pretty Oakland well-known Oaks. Yeah. They, they were, they were essentially a, like a farm system team for California. So they would take players from all over California. They put them into this one team and then they could farm them off to other like major league teams as they needed people. Well, athletics weren't, like I said, this is before they were the A's. Oh, well, yeah. the A's played in Philadelphia. Yeah. They also played in Kansas city, which we'll talk about. Um, but the, the, this wasn't even a major league team. This was basically like B league. Huh. Um, so okay, I, I never, I didn't know that. I didn't either until I was looking into it, and I was like, I've, I'm learning a lot more about this shit than well, I no, realized. I, actually, I'm wrong. I did know because Ben was telling me about some history, like some baseball stuff, mm-hmm. and how big it actually was in Portland. Yeah, dude, baseball like, was huge in, in the whole, '40s too. Everywhere, though. yeah, you know. Um, but their manager, another pretty well-known baseball player, Casey Stengel. Um, no fucking clue. Really? Yeah, I don't know who he is. Oh, son of a bitch. Dude. He, um, he played for, oh my God, he played for the Yankees. He played for, I want to say the Tigers at one point. But he was, I mean, hmm. you, 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 have you ever heard that song, you know, talking baseball? He's mentioned in the song. He's, he's good. He was good. Okay. Um, okay. So he decides that. Billy would make a pretty decent backup infielder. We could throw him at second. You could throw him at short, throw him at third. Probably not tall enough to throw him at first. Arguable, whatever. Also right-handed, though. Um, but, you know, just a good, like, utility infielder. Uh-huh. Team ownership originally, due to his reputation, put a clause in his contract saying that if he got into any fights or trouble on or off the field, He'd be kicked off the team, and he would also have to pay them back every penny that they had paid him in his contract. Oh, wow. So, as you're getting paid out, because you don't get your full contract up you know, up front, you get paid back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, say you're halfway into the season, and you get into a fist fight with a catcher, you pay them back everything that you've paid. And this been is paid. what, probably what, by this time, it was what, <clears throat> the 50s? Early 50s, yeah. So, I mean, a good salary for then... Minor league, a couple thousand bucks a year. Yeah, I mean, probably like what max of what ten. Yeah, 
Um, I'm actually listening. Maybe. I'm listening to a book called Ball Four by a guy uh, Jim Bowden who pitched for the Yankees and um, he was a, a starter for the Seattle pilot, uh, Pilots, their inaugural season, who are now the Mariners. Yep. Um, his best season with the Yankees was his like second year in, like in the early '60s, and they were paying him like 15 grand, which was really good for a pitcher. Did you know? Okay, so I never knew this until actually a, a book I just listened to um, for the Patreon. If you go over to patreon.com forward slash, slash dark windows podcast, pay us $5. You get to hit listen to goddamn right free episodes, not episodes for free, but just, you know, an extra episode. Yes. And anyway, the, um, what I'm going to be talking about is part of this book. Anyway, I didn't know that. So the nationals. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't realize that that name was an old fucking name that they just revived. Did you know that? I thought it was the Senators. No. <clears throat> this is 1800s baseball. Oh, no shit. No, I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't know this. Uh, uh, who was it? Wasn't... Uh, who the fuck was it? One of the presidents. Uh, fuck, I can't think of his name. One of them actually would go watch them play. Oh, no shit. Yeah, he would just fucking skip out. I had no and, idea. And go watch him play. Might as well. I mean, you know, because I mean, it's, it was one of the things he'd like to do, like to go watch baseball. Also, super jazzed for uh, MLB the show this year because they have all of the Negro League teams in there, and there's actually a storyline mode kind of where you can play through the Negro Leagues. Nice. Just really fucking cool. Um, and if you take the Grays of the Monarchs, you're cheating. You're only taking them because you know who was on the team. Okay. One of them had Jackie Robinson. The other one had Satchel Page. Take pick pick a different fucking team. They're all good. Jackie Robinson was on the same team as Satchel Page. Yeah, exactly. That's why people would take it. Duh. It's a fucking rigged system. Um, speaking of which, there was a guy that I listened to that was on a podcast a little bit ago. Um, completely unrelated, but not really. The Grays and Monarchs, the only two teams I know. Uh, There's a bunch of other ones, though. <laughs> I know um, there was. <laughs> but this guy's parents had moved to Puerto Rico. Um, his dad was a big baseball card collector. And when he got to Puerto Rico, he bought he basically bought out a, a trading card store that was going out of business for all for like all the baseball card stock. <clears throat> then after his dad died, he was going through all of his stuff and he found boxes, sealed boxes of Negro League cards that were never released in the United States. No shit. These are worth a fucking fortune. Wow. Like ridiculous amount of money. Even wow. if even if nobody's ever heard of the guys, these were never released here. They were only released in like um Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, stuff like that. They were never released in the US. So they were what? To probably tobacco. Either tobacco cards? or bubblegum cards, one of the two. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, they're worth a fucking fortune. I so fucking remember bubblegum cards. This dude this dude could buy an island with these cards. Just um, remember, I remember the fucking cards I used to get in bubblegum. Like I mean you vaguely like, I remember those. I remember and getting old ones where the, you'd open them and the fucking gum was like, oh, would just break. Yeah, it was how it always was because shit. it would sit on the fucking shelf. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, they weren't great because, I mean, it wasn't like... You never were, got anybody good. Yeah. I mean, I, I have developed a semi-unhealthy relationship with buying baseball cards over the last couple of years. 
Um, I haven't, but I, I probably... I've might. got a 2022 box set in my gun safe that's unopened that that's my son's to do with whatever he wants when he turns 18 because that's the year that's, that's his his year. So, yeah. um, But anyway, so fucking... I thought we wouldn't talk, get on any baseball tangents, but we're going to. We already did. So, um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so he when he got when Billy got his contract, he sat down with Casey Stengel and they looked it over, and they both decided that the best course of action here is to tell management to go fuck themselves. Basically, like you you can't do that. You can't make this guy pay you back. You can, sure change it to kick him off the team. That's fine. You can't yep. make him pay you back. That's bullshit. Yeah. So they they did. And they're like fine, whatever. So Stengel sticking up for Billy is going to be a theme moving forward here. Um, lucky for Billy, not long after he signed with them, he's got his chance because the starting second baseman gets hurt. Okay. Okay. His first season, nothing special. He hits, he hits like 249, 250. Not a real great showing. He's moved to a lower level team by Stengel. Um, this obviously pisses Billy off and, uh, you know, goes into his office and is like, you're making a fucking mistake. And, uh, Casey goes, prove me wrong. Well, prove me wrong as to why I sent you there. Uh, prove him wrong. Billy did because in the next season he hit 390 and drove in 173 runs, which is unheard of. Yeah. 173 RBI is, is ridiculous. That's all. Um, this is the, this was the highest percentage in the league and it was, it was enough to win him league MVP. Okay. Yeah. Needless to say, he's moved back up the following season. Fans loved him not just for his skill on the field, but they also loved the reason. Uh, loved him. They loved him for the reason that ownership and management, from here on out, basically, are going to hate him. Okay. Um, he's constantly starting shit with other teams, fucking chirping at the umpires from the dugout, fighting anybody he sees fit. During the off season and between games, he spent much of his time. <clears throat> he spent as much time as he could with Casey Stengel, um, not only to, you know, because they become friends. He's also trying to learn more about the game, the behind the scenes stuff, you know, the 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 bench work kind of part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he 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 came to see Casey as a father figure, and this was a, a mutual thing because Stengel never had any kids, Billy never really had a dad, um, and Casey Stengel is a encyclopedia of knowledge, and he passes it all on to Billy. Yeah. So this kind of got Billy some special treatment. Because any aging big leaguer that wasn't good enough to stay on the big league teams that's being sent down here, Casey is immediately like, "Hey, you're rooming with, uh, you're gonna room with Billy on the road. When it comes time to practice, you're paired up with him for everything." So he's learning all of this, all these tricks and shit from all these old dogs that have been playing for years. Yeah. Okay. Oakland would end up winning the championship in 1947. And this would earn Casey Stengel a job offer that he would have been stupid to refuse. He becomes the skipper of the New York Yankees. 1948, Martin hits for 286, 12 home runs, 82 RBI. Pretty good. Pretty good, you know, good little season. Um, there wasn't as, wasn't as many power hitters back then as there is now. No. If I get 12 home runs now, that's nothing. You know, if there's short stops in second baseman that are hitting 12 home runs in the yeah. first half of the season. Oh, yeah. You know, um, but the, the game's completely different now. Of course. Back then, they're playing on fields where it's, you know, a goddamn 600-foot wall. Yeah. You know? No fucking the, wall the at all. The polo grounds where, like, center field, like, dead away center field is, like, 550. Nobody's fucking hitting that. No. No way. Um, I mean, he, but he's also playing in the era of of uh, 
the the gamemanship in baseball. It was small ball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you could slug it out, cool. But you had some players. I mean, oh, yeah. There wasn't a lot of stealing going on. You know, and, and the names. I mean, the fucking who's who of, oh, yeah. of players. Speaking of which, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into some names that this fucking guy played with and then coached. So my mom comes to pick my son up this morning, and it's Wednesday. So she's like, "What are you guys doing for the show today?" And I'm like, "Oh, you're gonna love this." And I'm like, "We're talking about Billy Martin." She goes, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And uh, I was like, "The team that he coached in 1978." And she just starts rattling off names. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. And they weren't even that good that year. And she remembered all of them. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, she was rattling off names for guys that played in 1978. Like I could for the Red Sox in 2004 when they won the World Series. You know, it, it's 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 crazy. Um, so Billy has a good season. Then we travel east. Casey Stengel has a better season because he brought the Yankees to their 11th World Series championship that year in his first season as the coach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, the Yankees have won 27 World Series, whatever. There wasn't really a lot of competition back then, so it wasn't really that hard to do. Yeah. You had the Red Sox, who were good. And then that was pretty much it. You know, you had the Giants and the Dodgers, who were also good, but the, the team that, that he had, nobody was going to fucking touch him. Nobody. Giants, Dodgers, what year? 40, uh, 48. Well, no, because he had Giants, Dodgers. Red Sox. Red Sox. I mean, Yankees were good. Yeah. Um, But you also had uh, the the Cardinals. They were good. Yeah. But the other thing is, to consider, every Yankees fan that you will ever come across, well, we got 27 championships, who do you got? You fucking losers haven't won one in 13 years. I don't want to hear it. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Aaron Judge and his dolphin teeth that you boot off the field after he hits 62 home runs? Fuck you guys. But to play the other side of it, you kind of have to think, from 1947 to 1964, they went to 13 World Series and won 10 of them. So yeah, you guys were good. Were. Were. You know. So I mean, this is also after... Babe Ruth was right. done. Um, uh, which, yeah, no big deal. You just had fucking Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio. Ah, bums. <laughs> well, no, Joe was done by then. Uh, uh, Lou Gehrig was done. Yeah, but still. Because he had to retire. He was in that in that 40s era. Yeah. But still, I mean. But, I mean, yeah, they had Joe DiMaggio and. Oh, we're going to talk about Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle. <laughs> we're going to talk about Mickey Mantle. I mean, they had some fucking heavy hitters. Because holy shit. You want to talk about if he was a magic card, legendary alcoholic would be the, the tag underneath it is Mickey Mantle. Holy fuck, dude. Yeah. Wow. But um, but if I had to, if I had to pick, you know, and if I had to take some players and an all-star team, there is no fucking possible way that I couldn't pick Mickey Mantle or Joe DiMaggio. Oh, God, no. Like, all, all-time all-star? Yeah, they're definitely in the starting lineup. Yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. They'd have to play with Ted Williams. Yeah. You know. I mean, but whatever. Okay. Um, uh, we we we've got a quote from Ted Williams actually later in this that okay. I found very interesting that I was like, and it's not even about Billy, <laughs> you know. And I, after I was reading it, I was thinking about it and I went, God damn, he's right. He's absolutely right. Um, 
So during the offseason, uh, Stengel's given a little bit of control by Dan Topping and Del Webb, who were the owners of the Yankees at the time. Um, this is pre-fucking Darth Vader buying them and just throwing money at everything. George Steinbrenner. Yeah. Because um, he didn't buy them until the uh, 70s? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Um, so they said, we're going to give you a little bit of run. You, We want you to bring in some players. And the first one pops into his head. He goes, I want Billy Martin. That's who bring him over from there. So Billy rides the pine 1949 because Jerry Coleman, who was their starting second baseman, had a fucking killer season in 1948. And you're also not going to start him over your starting shortstop, Phil Rizzuto, who is possibly the best shortstop to ever put pinstripes on for any team. He was lights out. Actually, he was so good. That Ted Williams said, and I quote, if Rizzuto had played for Boston, the Red Sox would have been what the Yankees were. Pretty fucking hard to argue with that. Phil Rizzuto was fantastic. Um, Opening day, 1950, Billy gets his first opportunity. Uh, It's getting late in the game. Yankees are down 9-4 in the eighth. People are probably, at this point in time, if you're at this game, you're down by five runs, bottom of the eighth inning, probably heading for the car. You know, get out, you know, beat the traffic. (laughs) So Martin goes in as a pinch hitter, sees a couple pitches, finds one that he likes and hits a double in his first big league at bat. He wasn't done, though. This started a rally that would, you know, so the team actually bats through the order. Billy gets a second at bat in the inning. Okay. Hits a single. He is the only player to this day in Major League Baseball history to have two hits in the same inning of his debut game. Nobody else has ever done that. That's one of those records that I don't think that will ever be beaten. Like fucking Fernando Tatis Sr., who hit two grand slams in the same inning, but nobody remembers who he is because he played with Mark McGuire on that Mm -hmm. Cardinals team when McGuire hit like 37,000 home runs that year because he was roided to the fucking teeth. But this dude drove in eight runs in one inning. With two swings of the bat. Yeah, his kid plays for the Padres, I guess. You know, way underrated. Really good. He was um, good, yeah. So he, he wasn't the, like, everyday starter. Uh, but when he was on the field, fans loved him. Um, the next season, he would spend most of his time in the minors to get more playing time. Because, again, not playing a bunch. So we sent him down to keep him in shape, get some reps, you know, play some games that matter. Yeah. He was not happy with this decision. Uh, 1951 would be the first time that he got into a yelling match with uh, Yankees management, and that is not going to be the last time I've said that. that he got into a yelling match with Yankees <laughs> Yankee management. Um, in 52, he comes back up to the big leagues, um, takes the starting spot from Jerry Coleman, who I'm not real sure what had happened if he had gotten hurt or if he had just kind of fallen off. He's still on the roster but I couldn't find why he had lost the starting job. I didn't dig that far into it. Um, either way, Billy Martin is now the everyday sh- everyday starting second baseman with Phil Rizzuto at short. Um, just to name, just to throw a couple other names out there that were on this team. Um, you've got Johnny Sane, who was a fantastic pitcher. Uh, Yogi Berra, who is one of the smartest and funniest people that has ever played baseball. Um, if you, anybody gets bored, Google yogiisms and look yeah. at some of them. You know, this is the dude that said it's polite to go to other people's funerals because if you don't go to theirs, they won't go to yours. 
you know? <laughs> if you find a fork in the road, take it and go whichever way you wanted to anyway. <laughs> Yogi Bear is fantastic. Sure. Oh, and he also played with, Bill, with, with fucking Mickey Mantle, okay? Um, so he's a, he's a pretty solid hand, and more importantly, he would throw hands at the drop of a hat. Uh, <laughs> there's a story of him and uh, uh, Red Sox first baseman at the time. Uh, they get into an argument during the Red Sox batting practice before the game. Yeah. Billy is in the stands just talking shit to this guy from the seats. Okay. Um, <laughs> guy stops mid-batting practice, and he, uh, he says to Billy, quote, you want to be a man and do something about it? Which Billy did. And he's like, yeah, come on. He went under the bleachers, and he beat the shit out of him to the point that uh, um, a Yankees player and a Red Sox manager had to come out and break it up. Uh, he beat the fuck out of this guy. He, by all accounts, this guy was about six foot four, and Billy's, you know, five eleven, and he slapped him around for a decent amount of time. Um, then they're playing against the St. Louis Browns, who would later become the Baltimore Orioles, um, and then from there they would become the Baltimore Colts, and then the Cleveland Browns, if I remember correctly, and then back to the Ravens, and then back to the Browns. I got my sports mixed up. <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> But there was like those two fucking names that they just kind of interchanged back and forth for some stupid ass reason. Um, so Billy gets spiked in the second inning by Browns catcher Clint Courtney, who's trying to break up a double play, allegedly trying to break up a double play. Okay. For anyone who's never played baseball or doesn't know what being spiked is, it's when somebody slides in feet first and they drive their what would have at the time been metal spiked cleats into your legs. Yeah. Not fun. I've been spiked by guys wearing rubber cleats and that still sucks. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> fuck. Uh, getting spiked is what ended one of the Red Sox best second baseman's careers, basically. Because after Dustin Pedroia got spiked real good by Manny Machado, never came back the same. You no. know, just he, he never did. This guy just made a huge mistake because we're doing a Billy Martin episode and we've already been talking about how he likes to beat people up. <laughs> Billy tried but was stopped by his teammates. To go after this guy, okay? Fucking Phil Rizzuto grabs him around the waist. It's like, it's not worth it. Just relax. It's I'm fine. I'm fucking kill you. So, Billy's got vengeance. He's got he's got vengeance blue balls at this point. In the eighth inning. Oh, boy. Oh, and he has to quench his blue ball. Oh, right? yes. Yes. Because if, if vengeance is not served, like, swiftly. Oh, yeah. He's going to fucking find this guy's hotel room and stab him to death with a letter opener, okay? So, in the eighth inning, this asshole comes back up. And he comes sliding back into second base feet first. So I don't know if it was on a steal or if he was just going for first to second. Either way, they got him out dead to rights by a fucking mile, right? Billy ca- Billy catches the ball, and because it's a force play, Move. you have to make the tag. <laughs> the fucking head dummy. He slaps him right in the fucking head. Well, he, Billy takes his glove off with the ball still in it. And smashes him in the fucking face with it. Oh. <laughs> Courtney gets up and starts talking shit, and Billy just went after him. Um, anyone who's ever seen a baseball fight knows that this obviously clears the benches. Yeah. Um, this is something that has uh, this. Th- this is a part of it that I've never heard before. But usually, so usually baseball fights, it's a, it's a bunch of talking and shoving. Back in the day, these guys would fucking fight. Like yeah. we're talking punches getting thrown. Oh you yeah. Know. Um. So in the melee of trying to break all of this up, nobody knows who did it. But I would love to credit it to Billy. Uh, The first base umpire got knocked out trying to break everything up. (laughs) 
<laughs> Billy just like he's just seeing red, and this dude comes over in a blue uniform. He's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, fucking pops him. You, um, you know it. He's like, I got sorry, I got caught up in the heat of the moment. <laughs> he got in the way. I thought you played for the fucking. <laughs> thought you played for them. Uh, the chest pad threw me off, and I just blasted him. The uniform uh, looks the same. Shit, I'm colorblind when I'm mad. <laughs> Wait, who was he playing? They were playing the Cle- they were playing the uh, the Browns, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns. Okay, who went on to become the Ori- I'm sorry, the St. Louis Browns, who then became the Orioles later on. Um, so that same year, the Yankees went to the World Series and they took on the Brooklyn Dodgers. Dodgers have a lineup of absolute killers. They got Hall of Famers on this team like Pee Wee Reese, Duke Snyder, <sighs> Gil Hodges, Roy oh. Campanella, and of course. Oh. Our old buddy Jackie Robinson. This is a goddamn team right yeah. here. This is lethal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, whew. I mean, the Yankees are no slouches, you know. No, but but son of a bitch, what I a mean, team! I don't think I would. T- when when you can mention people's names that non-baseball fans know, you go, oh fuck, they're good. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, I would take Duke Snyder. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't take Roy Campanella as my catcher, though. Roy Campanella as your manager. Yes. (laughs) Manager, yes. Not catcher. No. I didn't like him as a catcher. No. Um, We have another tragic catcher to talk about here later, actually. Um, So this is a team that you're you're not going to sleep on. Fuck no. You you make a mistake here, and they're going to put fucking five runs up in an inning like nobody's... Oh, yeah. You know, no question. Yeah. Game two, Billy hits a three-run bomb that starts the, uh, you know, starts the Yankees off in the right direction. They would actually end up rallying and winning that game. Uh, game four, Billy has some fantastic defensive plays that keep that it would uh, end up killing a Dodger rally. Game seven of the World Series rolls around. This is it, winner take all. We're in the eighth inning, bases loaded. Jackie Robinson comes up to the plate, two outs. This is what fucking kids playing baseball in the backyard dream about. Yeah. You're about to break this motherfucker wide open, right? Robinson gets under one and pops up uh, to the uh, the first base side of the infield. Just behind the plate. Shallow, not very hard hit. Uh, Joe Collins, the Yankees' first baseman, loses the ball in the sun. Because this is back when the World Series was still played during the day. Yes. Because we didn't have lights nope. in the stadiums. You imagine if they did that now? Fucking run the World Series at like a 105 game. That'd you know, be interesting. Put the Super Bowl on at 1130 in the morning. That'd be like, interesting. Like have the game actually start, not pregame. That'd be interesting. You know, the ratings would be awful. Because they, they pay for all that prime time. You know, I mean, you start it at like one o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, oh, fuck yeah, I'd, I'd be a, I'd, I would take days off from work to watch yeah. the World Series. Are you kidding? I mean, that'd be. Yeah, fuck it. So Billy sees that Collins has completely lost track of this ball. Yeah. Right. So he's over at second base and he runs all the way in and he makes a pretty awesome little sliding catch right between the mound and home plate on the first base side. He covered a lot of goddamn ground, right? Had he not made this play, you're scoring a run easy. Yeah. This is basically what ended the game. Because after this, Yan- Yankees come back up, score a couple runs, shut them out, game's over, World Series is over. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, Yankees win the World Series here. The next season, Clint Courtney spikes Phil Rizzuto. Shortstop. Billy must have had some sort of 
fucking PTSD flashback or something because he runs over from second base as Courtney's getting up and just fucking hammers him in the face. <laughs> he did not like this guy. <laughs> he just it's like by you know from from the stuff that I read. Courtney turned, and as he turned, Billy's fist just fucking connected. He just, he did not like this dude. Uh, obviously, the bench is cleared again. Uh, no umpires are punched out this time, but one did get his shoulder separated in the in the fight. Um, 20 minutes after this fight started, play resumed on the field. <laughs> mm. 20 minutes to clear this shit up. 1953, he gets thrown out of two games, uh, one for fighting and the other for verbally destroying an umpire at the plate for making a bad call. Um, Martin's got a bit of a rep at this point in time, and teams start targeting him. Uh, They're trying to spike him any chance they get. Um, Yankees going to the World Series again that year, and Billy had a fucking postseason. He has uh, 12 hits, including the game-winning RBI in Game 6, and he was named World Series MVP. So he's been on the Yankees for four years now, and he has four World Series rings. Four consecutive years. Okay. So that, he's pimping. <laughs> like, yeah. nobody else has done that. Mm, I don't think anyone's done that since. No. Billy's living the goddamn dream. He's made a ton of money, and he's blown just as much money as he's made. Uh-huh. He's hanging out with Mickey Mantle a lot off the field. Two of them are fucking animals. Um they blew tons of money on just booze and women, and I would assume probably cocaine a little bit here and there, you know. Um, and Mickey was a notorious just poonhound. If it had, you know, tits and a pulse, Mickey was after it. Um, come 1954, Billy gets drafted. Not by another team. He gets drafted by the Army. Because we are fighting in Korea at this point. He hates being in the Army. Um he, he, in his opinion, he's being treated like shit. He's not getting as much leave as other guys. He's getting all this like shit duty. And he blamed it on the fact that he played for the Yankees because he's the only big name on the base. Um, there would, they wouldn't let him play on the base, like on the, the army baseball team on the base. Um, and it's been very long speculated that the base commander may have been a Dodgers or Red Sox fan. Hmm. It was like, nah, fuck that guy. Um, he did eventually get transferred to a different base in like Colorado where he was allowed to play and he destroyed people because uh-huh. you put a major league guy in there with a bunch of fucking dummies from Iowa in the army. He's, he's going to kick their asses. That's just how it happens. Um, so 1954, without him, the Yankees don't make the World Series. They barely make the playoffs at that point. In 1955, Billy is given leave to rejoin the team in the playoffs. And when the Yanks make the World Series, his leave is extended. They would go on and lose to the Dodgers in six games. This is the Dodgers' first World Series win. Um, before This is also before they went to L.A. They went to L.A. in like, like 62, 63, something like that. Something. Because I think it was after Jackie Robinson retired. Because I don't think he ever played in Los Angeles. I think he played in Brooklyn. Yeah, it was only um, Brooklyn. So 1956 rolls around and the Yankees GM makes a public statement that Billy Martin was, quote, a menace and a bad influence on the team, especially for Mickey Mantle. Um, So these two are roommates and it's if we're going to be honest, Mickey was a bad influence on himself. They, They fed off each other. 
They yeah. were each other's devil on the shoulder. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Like, four more shots. You're good. You're good. Let's keep going. Um, so Billy is also kind of starting to lose a step here. Um, but Stengel talked to ownership into keeping him. 1956 season uh, would see Billy buttheads uh, with an up-and-coming pitcher from the Dodgers, who I actually mentioned in my preamble, Tommy Lasorda. Uh, Tommy seemed like my kind of guy back in the day, though. He was just a pudgy fuck that just out eating cheeseburgers and smoking cigarettes and shit. Seemed like he'd be a party, drinking beer and shit in the clubhouse. Um, So his rookie year, when they played the Yankees, Lasorda threw a pitch a little bit too high and a little bit too far inside on on Hank Bauer, who was the Yankees outfielder. Um, He he was a big dude. He was like six foot, 200 pounds. Big boy. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say a little bit too high and a little bit too far inside, I mean, he threw it directly behind his head. Um, Hank wasn't real happy about this, and uh, neither was Billy when he came up to bat next, and Lasorda threw two straight behind his head. Uh, they start barking at each other, and then, of course, fists start flying. And uh, Bauer steps off of first base to come try to break it up. And mid-fight, Tommy Lasorda stops and yells, Keep your nose out of it, Bauer. This is an Italian fight. <laughs> Um, so believe it or not, this is the only fight that he got into that I could find where afterwards he shook the other guy's hand and they actually became buddies after, after that, like they were seen a couple nights later out just fucking drinking and partying and shit. So, uh, the world series in 1956 would see the Yankees win again, uh, with Billy hitting just shy of 300 with two, uh, two home runs, not too fucking shabby during spring training the following year, 19, uh, 1957, um, Billy and Mickey are out, you know, having a, doing a round of golf. Uh, let me rephrase that, actually. Billy and Mickey are out drinking on a golf cart with clubs. Of course. Okay. Um, they thought it'd be fun that if, you know, yeah, yeah, we're golfing together. Let's each run our own cart. It'll be fun. So they're fucking shithouse drunk. And they're racing between holes. And it's unclear exactly what happened. But if a, a police officer had been writing a report... Um, the words alcohol was a factor would be in it somewhere. Um, either Billy or Mickey lost control of their cart, hit the other and wrecked both carts and injured both guys enough that they would miss the first couple weeks of the season. (laughs) These two were a fucking train wreck. Um, at a different point in time, there's a story that Mickey Mantle would tell, um, that I'm actually going to put in here. So I'm going to throw that in. Um, and then after that, we're probably going to take a break and we'll come back. People always ask me, uh, what makes Billy such a good manager? And I always say because the players know that if, if they're all up on top of a roof and Billy said jump off of this roof, they know that Billy would jump off with them. And I use this story to tell uh, that, to get that fact across. And uh, so I was telling the people up there why Billy was such a good manager. I said, I'll tell you another story. I said, he, he was down in Dallas last year and he did such a good gun. They get a good uh, deal with that team down there, the turnaround gang, that they gave him a brand new rifle. And he wanted to go hunting. So I said, well, uh, I'll take you down. I said, I know a guy down in, around San Antonio on a ranch outside of San Antonio in Lakey, Texas. He's a doctor, and he's a good friend of mine. I'm pretty sure he'll let us go hunting on his ranch. So I, but I said, you're going to have to get up like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning because it takes three or four hours to drive down there. He said, I don't care. I want to go deer hunting, you know, with my new rifle. So we drive all the way down there, you know, and I said, now you wait in the car and I'll go up and knock on the door and I'll, I'll ask the doctor if it's all right to, for us to go hunting. So he stayed in the car, I go up and knock on the door. The doctor comes to the door and he said, hey, Mick, what are you doing down here? I said, well, I got 
Billy Martin, the new manager of the Rangers, with me out in the car, and we was wondering if we could go deer hunting on your ranch. He said, oh, sure, any time, you know, come on down. Uh, he said, and I started to walk off. He said, but you got to walk through, you got to leave the car there and walk through the barnyard. He says, hey, by the way, would you do me a favor? I said, what's that? He said, uh, when you go through the barnyard, so you see that old mule standing over by the barn? I said, yeah. He said, would you shoot that mule for me? I said, oh, Christ, dog, we don't want to shoot your mule, you know. We come down here to hunt deer. He said, well, if you'd be doing me a big favor because, he said, I just don't have the heart. I've had him a long time. So, uh, he, he's about 20 years old. He hasn't done any work for 10 years. I'm going to have to have him put away anyway. If you'd shoot him for me, you'd really be doing me a big favor. So I said, okay, uh, we'll shoot the mule. So I'm walking back to the car. I think, I want to pull a joke on Billy, you know. So I run out to the car, and I yanked the door open. I said, give me my rifle. Billy goes, what's the matter? I said, we drove four hours to get down here to go deer hunting. This guy said, we can't go deer hunting. I'm going to shoot his mule. Billy goes, oh, my God. He said, don't do that. He's trying to grab the rifle back. You know, so we'll get in jail. We'll get in trouble and everything. I said, give me the rifle. I finally get the rifle away from him. I go running out to the barn, <laughs> shoot the mule right in the neck, right? Mule falls over. About that time right behind me, I hear, bam, bam, bam. I turn around, there's Billy with his gun. I said, Billy, what are you doing? He said, I got three of these cows. So that was the famous uh, Billy Martin, Mickey Mantle deer hunting story, which I've been hearing for years, and it's 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 actually funnier hearing it directly from Mickey yeah. than it is hearing other people. Yeah, I've heard, it, I've heard it before. <laughs> so... May, I believe, 15th of that year, which is uh, Billy's birthday. <laughs> you done? Tell him. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you don't know, Declan is yeah, back. he's back. So May 15th of that year, uh, which is Billy's birthday, they the, the Yankees have a great game. They beat the crap out of the Kansas City A's. <clears throat> and... Uh, Mickey sets up, you know, we're let's take Billy out for dinner. Um, Philadelphia, Philly, Philadelphia A's? No, Kansas City. I don't think they ever played for Philadelphia. I think they played Philadelphia, then they went to... I, I'm telling you, it's the Kansas City A's, I, right from the source. Um, because he ended up, we'll see. Um, so he sets up a, a little night out on the town. Um, and honestly... Again, I'm going to throw another audio clip in here. Let's just hear it from Mickey himself. It's the best way to hear the full story. Well, one of the stories that everybody wants to know about, it seems like, is the old Copacabana incident. It was in 1957. It was Billy's birthday, so it had to be in May. And uh, me and Whitey gave him a birthday party, and we invited Yogi and his wife Carmen, Hank Bauer and his wife Charlene, uh, me and Merlin and Whitey and his wife Joni, a couple more of the uh, the Yankees and their wives, and we took them uh, all down to Danny's Hideaway, which was uh, an old favorite place of mine and Billy's. And we uh, had a couple of drinks down there, and then a something, you know, some steaks or something. Then we had a few more drinks. Anyway, by the time it was getting around ten o'clock, about the the ten o'clock show at the Copa was getting ready to start. So we said, why don't we go down and catch Sammy Davis? You know, so we all go down there, and they give us a big table, you know, in the middle of the room, and about. We had a couple of drinks, I guess, there, and about that time, here come two bowling teams in uh, that had both won their divisions in the bowling alley, something, and they was all feeling pretty good, too. Anyway, they got to talking kind of loud and getting on to Sammy or something, and I think, 
I think it might have been Hank said, uh, hey, come on, you guys, cool it a little bit. We got our wives here, and you're embarrassing them, you know. Well, one thing led to another, and somebody said, uh, well, just meet us around here at the corner. Of course, you don't have to tell Billy, but watch, you know. I mean, uh, and Hank also. Uh, so next thing I know, the cloakroom is full of people, and everybody's swinging and throwing punches and everything. Uh, some next thing, and then there's a guy laying right at my feet. I'm in the back end of the thing there, and I'm just standing there. I'm watching everything. You know, I never did hit anybody or anything. I didn't get hit or anything. But somebody had hit a guy because he's laying at my feet, and I thought it was Billy at first, and I picked his head up, and I saw it wasn't Billy, so I dropped it back down. But anyway, uh, the next day when we went to the ballpark, the headlines was Yankees in Copa fight and all that, Billy Martin, this and that. Uh, just as soon as we got to the ballpark the next day, Billy Martin started packing his bags in the in the clubhouse. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm gone. I said, George Weiss just looking for a chance to get rid of me anyway, you know. And uh, he had warned us a few times about missing planes and trains and stuff like that. And uh, sure enough, later on that year, uh, we go to Kansas City, and Billy got traded. But before that happened, I'll, go, I'll tell you, the, the, one of the funniest parts of the whole thing was the uh, one of the guys, I guess the guy that got hit so hard, uh, sued Hank Bauer for I don't know how much. But anyway, we all had to go to court. And I'd never been in court before. And in fact, I think that's the only time I've ever been on a witness stand in my life. Uh, they asked Hank questions and Whitey questions and Billy questions and everything. And they finally called me up to the witness stand. And I was sitting there, and the judge looks over at me and said, Mr. Mantle said, do you have gum in your mouth? I said, yes, sir. I was scared to death, you know. He said, well, would you do something with it? So I took it out of my mouth. I don't know what to do. You know, I said, I just stuck it under the uh, chair there, you know. So he said, well, would you tell us what happened? I said, well, I don't know, Your Honor. I, I was kind of in the background there. I was standing in the back, and I see this guy laying at my feet, and I picked him up, and I looked at him. It looked like Roy Rogers rode through there on Trigger, and Trigger kicked him in the face. And uh, everybody got a big kick out of that, and the judge says, case dismissed. So, yeah, that, that's another great story, but I'm going to call bullshit. <sighs> I don't, I, I don't like to, to call bullshit on Mickey Mantle, but I'm pretty sure that that guy that he found landed his feet, he punched. Okay? Mickey was shithoused anyway. Um, of course. And as you heard there, yeah, he, he ended up getting traded to Kansas City, which is the team that they'd beaten the night of the brawl. Okay? So, Billy didn't do real well the next few years. He goes from Kansas City to the Detroit Tigers, and from there he lands... Uh, lands with the Indians from the Indians to the Braves and then from the Braves to the twins 1960 rolls around. And during that bat uh, playing against the Cubs, he took a swing and kind of lost his grip on the bat. And it uh, kind of goes sailing out into the end of the infield between the mound and the plate. He goes out to pick it up and uh, Cubs pitcher, Jim Brewer thought that he was charging the mound. Um, Billy took that personally, by the way, uh, because he thought that Brewer was charging the plate. So, you know, it shit happens. Um, Billy handed out a restaurant-quality ass-beating in the middle of the field that would leave Brewer with a broken orbital bone. Bench is clear again. Due to Brewer's season-ending injuries, the Cubs sued him for $10,000, and he asked them through a, a reporter, uh, quote, asked him if they want cash or a check. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck. He's like, yeah, I, yeah, I broke his face. Fuck him. Uh, so after his career on the field ended, he became a scout for the Twins. This is a really good move because he, he had a really good eye for talent, 
and he was eventually given a job by the Twins as their third base coach. Uh-huh. Um, there's this, this is one guy that played for the Twins, Rod Carew, <laughs> that became a project for Billy because he, you can't teach raw talent, but you can teach people how to use it better. Yeah, yeah. And that's what Billy did here. The Twins went to the World Series that year, and uh, a lot of people credited Martin with getting them there as the third base coach. Like, he wasn't even the manager of the team, but they gave him a bunch of credit because of the work that he put in with Rod Carew and all these other younger guys on the team. Um, the next year, Billy lost his temper with the, with the Twins road secretary, Martin Fox. So when, you get to, when they got to a hotel back in the day, the road secretary is basically the guy that would go ahead of the team and... And get everything squared away. Hotels, flights, yep. cars, shit like that. Um, and when it came to handing out hotel keys, coaching staff got theirs first, then the player. So Fox thought it would be funny to uh, to skip Billy when it came to getting the keys. And uh, Billy says very politely, where's my fucking keys? To which Fox threw a set of keys in his face. Um, pretty not smart thing to do when you know the guy's got a temper. Um, he beat the dog shit out of Martin, like right outside the hotel on the sidewalk. <laughs> um, this you, didn't, you want to see my shocked face? Yeah. Wait, hold yeah. on. Hold on. Color me shocked that Billy Martin fucking beat somebody up that he works with. Huh? <laughs> um, Crazy. This didn't actually hurt his career as much as you might think, because in 1968, he was promoted to the manager of the twins, triple a team, the Denver bears. Um, fantastic manager. Didn't take shit from anybody. One of the pitchers on that team. Had this to say, quote, Billy was a great coach. We played well under him because we were afraid to lose. <laughs> um, he was the kind of guy that if, if his players were wronged in the field, he was going to go give the umpires a piece of his mind. Um, the kind of guy you really want running your team who's going to go out there and stand up for his guys. That's, yeah. that's what you're supposed to do as the manager. You're supposed to be the one that gets thrown out of a game instead of one of your players when they're being stupid. Mm-hmm. Um he he would end up getting thrown out of eight games one season. Um, and that's not the, bad. No, that's not too. That's not for Billy Martin. That ain't bad. Um, and the the Twins thought now was the time. They bring him back up to the big leagues as as the coach for the major league Twins. Um, he was a special case where, as most managers hang out in the dugout, Billy remained the third base coach the entire time he was there. So, I think now we're going to take a quick break and uh, try to put a sock back on this monster. Mm-hmm. So we'll be right back. So Billy had a, had a nasty habit of, uh, of egging on his pitchers to throw it guys. Um, whether they'd been, you know, running their mouths or, or just doing too well at the play or getting on base too often, you know, shit that they're, they're trying to do as major league baseball players. Um, so August rolls around and, uh, Billy's out at a bar with some of his guys, which is not usually a good idea. Yeah. Um, wow. No, not for him. <laughs> no, not. Yeah. No, definitely not for him. He's gonna have a record or something of, of, of knockouts. This motherfucker liked to fight. So pitcher Dave Boswell and uh, outfielder Bob Allison, who both play for the Twins, go outside and they get into a drunken fist fight outside the bar. Billy hears the commotion and pushes his way to the front of the crowd. <laughs> He's probably like, "Wait a minute! They're doing something without me." Sons of bitches. Well, he sees who's involved in this fight, and he. Beats the shit out of both players before he was stopped. So most people say that he initially went after Boswell, um, but Allison took a couple trying to pull Billy off of him. So he stops fighting the pitcher, 
to try to pull the manager off the pitcher and got fucking hammered on for it by the manager. Okay. Uh, um, how dare you? Whack. So then that's not what loses him his job in Minnesota. No. No. So there was a weird pitching change during the playoffs where the GM gets on the phone and he goes, hey, I want this guy put in as a replacement pitcher. I want him put in now. We, you. we spent a bunch of money on this guy. We got to get him on the field. Um, and nope. Billy basically tells him to kick rocks. Yeah, you don't tell the manager what to do. Right. So he, he, he tells this guy to go fuck himself, basically, and he's fired. So the next season, under, you know, under new management, an almost identical situation happened where the GM wanted that same pitcher put in in a situation in the playoffs. Manager goes, yes, sir, puts him in, and he got fucking bombed and lost him the game. So who was in the right there? Billy goddamn Martin, that's who. Yeah, of course. So from here, he goes to Detroit as the manager of the Tigers. Well, here he would, I've got a list here, accuse the organ player of the Oakland Coliseum of trying to distract his players. He accused the scoreboard operators of the Oakland Coliseum of spying on Tigers' warm-ups and stealing signs. He got into a fist fight with an umpire. Uh, <laughs> he fought a couple more of his own players in public. Another couple fun incidents. Um, he was walking out of the, out of, uh, I believe it was Comiskey at the time yeah. in Detroit. Yeah. Um, he's got his bags with him. Fan stops him and asks him a question outside the stadium. Billy apparently didn't like his tone and he beat the shit out of him in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, this might be, this might be the best, like the funniest goddamn thing that he's ever done. So he leaves the stadium one night in Detroit. Gets in a cab and he's headed for dinner. The cabbie, who just so happened to be a European fella, didn't uh-huh. say what flavor of European. Asked Billy, hey, what do you do for work? And Billy explained that he's the manager of the Tigers. To which the cabbie said, quote, I'm not a big fan of baseball. I'm more of a football fan, meaning soccer. Yeah. Um, Billy ordered the cab to stop. He got out. He pulled the driver out and beat the shit out of him in the middle of the street, which is a fair reaction to being told that you like soccer better than baseball. Um, he did apparently pay his fare and walk the rest of the way to the restaurant. <laughs> so at least he didn't stiff the guy. He just starched him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you kick the crap out of somebody, yeah. what the hell? Dude is a fucking maniac. I, I love him. Um, he did well enough to be brought back the following year. <clears throat> it was ejected in the second game of the season for screaming at the umpires. All of them. He, oh. he started a home plate and apparently made his rounds and chewed every umpire on the field a new asshole. Wow, I mean, it's equal opportunity chewing. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Um, the Tigers make the playoffs that, that season in, in a game against the A's, who have apparently been cheating Billy Martin this the, the whole time he's been in Detroit. Billy makes a mound visit to his pitcher and uh, tells him, hey, I want you to hit this next guy that comes up. You did that back then? You know. Remember I mentioned he liked to egg his pitchers on about hitting people? Yeah. And uh, the pitcher's like, why do you want me to do that? And Billy says, quote, don't worry about why, just do it. (laughs) Next batter comes up, he gets plugged in the ribs, and the bench is clear. And by everyone's account on the Tigers, Billy Martin is right in the middle throwing fists. Okay. Keep in mind, this is is like the the 70s here. Billy's 41, and he's out there fighting dudes in their 20s. Yeah. He didn't give a fuck. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
1973, Billy is canned by the Tigers after he used his time with the press to talk shit about uh, about the front office and ownership. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. In a game against the Cleveland Indians, he sees uh, <clears throat> sees pitcher Gaylord Perry, who I know you've heard that name before. Yes. Um, Gaylord Perry just so happens to be cheating. He's using spitballs. No. So the reasoning that spitballs are illegal, because I know there's people that don't really know, like baseball that much. Because there's there's a, a pouch on the back of the mound full of talcum powder to help keep sweat and shit off your hands. Yep. Okay? So if you lick your fingers and then you grab that talc bag, that creates a really sticky substance. And you get a better grip on the ball and you can get some crazy movements when you throw. Um, there's some guys that that from the point of release to where the catcher catches it, the ball is breaking like two and a half feet. There's, there's a lot of fucking movement that you can put on these. Okay, so he goes out to the home plate umpire and he goes, he's fucking cheating. He's you know, he's throwing spitballs. And the umpires don't do shit about it. So he goes from the umpire directly back into the dugout to his pitcher and he goes, listen, I want you to do that, too. Then he calls the bullpen. Anybody I have sent out here, make sure you tell them spitballs are on the menu. Ah, okay. Spitballs are on the menu, boys. <laughs> yes. So... Um, he he would actually end up getting suspended by the league and fired by the Tigers for this, um, because he went to the press after the game. They have a big press conference, and they're like, "Hey, we noticed that uh, you know you got into it with the umpires out there." And he goes, "Yeah, Gaylord Perry is fucking cheating." So I told my guys to cheat too. Ah, so ownership doesn't like that when you admit that you're having your guys cheat. <laughs> okay, true. Um, so he gets shit canned by the Tigers, and within a few days, the Texas Rangers pick him up. And make him the manager. 1974, the Rangers had a really good season. Uh, 1973, they were like, uh, uh, they were something fucking awful, like 24 and 70. They had a dog shit season. But with Billy Martin at the helm, they go 84 and 76. And for this, Billy would be named manager of the year. Wow. Um, Also having Billy Martin there. Knowing that Billy Martin's the manager, attendance doubled throughout the season. Yeah, because you don't know what the hell you're going to see. You never know. what You're, you're going to get a fucking show with Billy Martin. And we are about to talk about the best, like the highest rated episode of the Billy Martin show. We've already talked about it, but we're going to talk about it again. We're talking about 10 Cent Beer Night. Uh-huh. Okay. 1974, both the Indians and Rangers, they're they're not good. I mean, yeah, the Rangers turned their shit around. Still not good. Um you're not that far above 500. Uh-huh. Not not a great season. You're not going to the playoffs. Um, so they, they would actually end up ending the season five games out of first place behind the Oakland A's um, that would go on to be beaten by the Dodgers in the World Series that year. So in 1971, just to hop back here real quick, Cleveland hosted a five-cent beer night that went off without an issue. No problem. Because you're in Cleveland got nothing better to do you might as well drink ask danny green who we've already talked about who's from cleveland also <laughs> tie it all in okay just for a little backstory this had been done before um a few times um there had been a game the week before um where the teams played uh, played each other at the ranger stadium in arlington then in texas and this is where everything kind of kicked off from in the first place. Bottom of the fourth inning, Tom Greaves start, uh, starts it off by drawing a walk. Uh, Lenny Randall comes up to the plate next. 
Hits a hard shot at Indians third baseman John Lowenstein, who uh, tagged third base and threw to second to try to get a double play that Randall broke up. He slides into the bag pretty hard, spikes second baseman Jack Bo- uh, Brohammer. Um, again, spiking people doesn't go unanswered. No. Eighth inning, Milt Wilcox throws a pitch behind Lenny Randall, the guy who spiked his shortstop. Um, it's a message pitch. Yeah. Um, and, again, you get a, a ball in the, the, the mid to high 90s thrown at your face. That's fucking scary. Yeah. Uh, I think the closest I've ever been is we had a kid that, that got clocked at like 89 miles an hour that I played baseball with, and he threw one at my head, and I almost shit myself on the field. It was fucking scary. Um, so the next pitch, Randall lays down a bunt, and uh, when when Wilcox tried to field it and tag Randall, Randall just clotheslined him. We're talking like fucking Stan Hansen-style <laughs> lariat, just put oh. him on his ass, okay? Yeah. John Ellis, the Indians' first baseman, tackles Randall and beats the shit out of him, which starts a bench-clearing brawl. Uh, surprisingly, no players were ejected or suspended for this. Um, after the brawl was uh, after the brawl was broken up, Dave Duncan had to be pulled off of the top of the dugout roof after a fan had thrown beer and food on him on his way back in. The Rangers would go on to win that game three nothing. And after the game, uh, Cleveland uh, Cleveland Indians road reporter asked uh, Billy Martin. Are you going to bring your armor to Cleveland next week? And Billy, being the legendary smartass that he was, responds, nah, they won't have enough fans to worry about. <laughs> um, and because of that, six days later on June 4th, 1974, when the Rangers traveled to Cleveland, uh, the Indians had announced a couple of days beforehand, we're going to do a 10-cent beer night. Oh. We're going to get the stands loaded because this is going to be a good game. Oh, loaded in more than one way. Yeah. So they're expecting an average of about 11,000 people for the game because that's about what they were drawing throughout the season. Uh-huh. June 4th shows up, rolls around. Stadium is sold out. 25,134 people in the stands. Oh, wow. That's a lot of fucking people. Okay. Yeah. And when you're offering 12-ounce plastic cups of cheap beer for 10 cents a pop, with the only stipulation being that you can only buy six at a time, not in total, six per trip to the bar. Wow. Yeah. You, you, can, you can buy as much goddamn beer as you want. You can only bring six back with you. Okay. The Rangers jump out to a 5-0 lead early, and the crowd got loud and drunk. And when LaRon Lee hit a line drive back at Rangers pitcher uh, Ferguson Jenkins, this drops him. Um because he got hit like in the chest, shoulder. He got hit with a line drive. He went down. Like uh-huh. you'll you'll tend to do that when you take one off the bat. Yeah. Um, fans start chanting from the stands. Hit him again. Hit him again. <laughs> <clears throat> so Ferguson recovers and he's trying to regain his composure. Some drunk broad jumps off the rail, ran down under the field uh, to the Indians on deck circle, and just she hauls out her tits and starts flashing the crowd. Um, she then proceeded to try and kiss home plate umpire Nestor, uh, Nestor Kylak, who was, uh, he's not in a kissing mood. Um, next big event would be when Tom Grieve uh, hit his second home run of the game, at which point a fully naked man burst onto the field and slid into second base. Not fully anything, nude. Not anything new. Head first. You're sliding on coarse dirt, oh. head first, with your dick. Dragging in what might as well be cat litter with dirt in it. Ah, it's like if any if you've ever slid on a baseball field, it's not it's not pleasant. It will rip skin off. And this yeah. guy slid in head first with his dick hanging out. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh. Uh, 
So, I mean, that'd be kind of like just dragging your wiener across like 80 grit sandpaper almost. Oh. It's, it's not, not fun. Um, so in the following inning in a show of paternal bonding, a father and son pair run onto the field and mooned the crowd from the ble- <laughs> that were up in the bleachers. Uh, somehow a bunch of fans had ended up bringing firecrackers and fucking fireworks in with them. Um, they proceed to start lighting these and throwing them onto the field um, throughout the stands. Um, security was not as good in the 70s at, at baseball games and shit. Um, so as the game continued, more and more fans rushed onto the field. And uh, at one point, Rangers first ba- uh, the Rangers' first baseman had hot dogs whipped at him from the stand and was nearly hit in the fucking head with an empty gallon jug of Thunderbird wine. Oh. And that was not a plastic milk jug. No. Thunderbird wine came in a jug that was like three quarters of an inch thick. Uh-huh. Okay. You could kill somebody with that. And he just barely dodged this thing. He almost got killed by the world's shittiest, like, shittiest wine. By the seventh inning, most of the families that were in the stands with kids and, like, sober folks decided we're going to get the fuck out of here while the getting's good. Um, we're going to let the drunk idiots have their fun. In the bottom of the ninth, the Indians managed to come back and tie the game at five. So, future kid diddler and potential episode topic, Rusty Torres, is standing out on second base uh, representing the winning run for the Indians. Uh, it was at this point that 19-year-old Terry Yurkic ran onto the field and tried to snag Rangers outfielder Jeff Burroughs' hat and glove. Burroughs is a big, big son of a bitch. He's like 6'2", 220. He, he's a big fucker, right? Uh-huh. Um, he went after Yurik, uh, who had tried to steal his shit, um, and as he's chasing after him, he trips. Billy Martin sees his guy laying on the ground and a fan standing next to him. Uh-huh. He's thinking that this dude went out there and just punched his giant right fielder. Um, so at this point in time, Billy grabs some lumber and charges the field. <coughs> he grabbed a bat out of the stand and ran out onto the field, leading his men into battle. Um, some of them armed with just bats and helmets. So as the Rangers take the field, swarms of fans, mostly drunk and armed with bottles, chunks of wood, and literally pieces of the seats um, that they've ripped off. Some of these dudes had knives and fucking chains that they'd somehow managed to bring in. Um, but they surround the players. There's now, yeah. t- there's, there's now 200 fans surrounding 25 Rangers players. So seeing that these guys are in trouble, Cleveland manager Ken Aspermonte sent his squad onto the field out of you know professional courtesy. Mm-hmm. Go make sure that these guys don't die, please. Yeah. Um, rioters begin throwing steel chairs like it's a fucking wrestling match out onto the field. Um, one of which hit Indians pitcher Tom Higl- uh, Hilgendorf in the side of the head. Um, Mike Hargrove squared up with one fan and beat the fuck out of him and then headed for the dugout. Um, on his way to the dugout, um, there was another fan that decided it would be a good idea to, to try to fight him, and he beats the piss out of this guy, too. Both teams go into tactical retreats, and uh, they begin back to the dugouts and clubhouses. Fans ransack the field, stealing everything that wasn't nailed down, including the bases. Um, uh, one fan was actually tackled by security as he was trying to pull up the mound rubber, which doesn't come up. No. <laughs> um, so, but somewhere in Cleveland, there is three families with the weirdest fucking heirloom of all time. Like, yeah, your fucking, uh, your uncle Ricky was at, uh, he was at 10 cent beer night when Billy Martin started a fucking riot. He stole third base. It's great. Um, oh, so fans continue to throw shit onto the field, 
including cups, popcorn containers, hot dogs, chairs, radios, pretty much anything that wasn't screwed down. Um, at which point the umpire crew, which was led by uh, Chilik, decided to call the game in favor of the Rangers. So they win a 5-5 tie. Don't know how the fuck that works, but that's how it worked. Um, the riot continued for 20 minutes after the game ended until the, Cle- uh, until the Cleveland police showed up and uh, started to restore order. All in all, nine fans were arrested, and the next time Cleveland did a 10-cent beer night on July 18th, they limited it to two per customer per trip. <laughs> um, and they had something like, so they had 26,000 people there, something like that. They had in the neighborhood of 15 security guards in the stadium. Oh, wow. That's not enough. So another team has grown sick and tired of his shit. Um, and after not signing a player that Billy wanted, uh, he again went to the press and basically told them that the owner didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Owner of the Rangers at the time was a guy that made all of his money selling pipes for like oil derricks and shit like that. Um, and Billy said something to the effect of, I know uh, just as much about pipe sales as this guy knows about baseball. And he was fired pretty fucking quickly after that. Um, the next season he signed by the Yankees and here's where shit starts to get more fun. Uh, he, he and the new Yankees owner, and in my opinion, one of the biggest assholes to be ever, ever be involved with baseball, George Steinbrenner, they didn't see eye to eye. Um, Billy led the Yanks to the World Series in his first season as manager in 1976. Unfortunately, the Yankees' first trip to the World Series in 12 years ended when they came up against the juggernaut that was the mid-1970s Cincinnati Reds. Mm. You've got... Johnny Bench, Tony Perez, John Vukovic, George Foster, Ken Griffey Sr., the human bulldozer with a bowl cut, Pete Rose. Yeah. Um, nobody was stopping the big red machine. No. They were fucking crazy good. Yeah. Um, playing against Pete Rose, the only person on the Yankees I would have really felt bad for would be Thurman Munson, who was their catcher. Um, because Pete Rose had a tendency and a real habit of just hammering on catchers. Like, oh, yeah. Even if, even if there's not a close play at the plate... If you were within his area of influence at the plate, he was going to hit you. Uh-huh. Um, and, For uh, sure. That, well, that was the style, though. Yeah. But, like, come on, man. Pete Rose would have, like, gone out of the base path to fucking punch somebody in the head at home plate. Let's be real. Um, and plus, uh, Thurman Munson would actually sh- uh, die just a couple years later in a pretty horrific plane crash. Um, yeah. It was a bad one. Uh, mm. <laughs> um he was flying his own plane too, but he had uh. been he had been uh, going through like pilot training and stuff like that, and uh, he came down a little bit too far one side of the runway, hit a tree and just fucking nosedived right into the end of it. Um, actually landed nose first like in the road, Ooh. just at the end of the runway. So Damn. pretty not great. No. Um, Billy also set a record this uh, this year. He's the only member of the New York Yankees, either player or coaching staff, to be ejected in a World Series game. Uh, 1977, George Steinbrenner goes out and bought Oakland A's superstar player, Reggie Jackson. Mm-hmm. Not traded for him, not bought his contract. He bought him out of his own pocket. The Yankees did not own his contract. George Steinbrenner did. Um, Mr. October. Yeah. Um, they also signed another guy that'll be a future Patreon episode for a particular reason that most baseball fans will know as soon as I mention his name, Doc Ellis, um, who was a pitcher that threw a pretty well-known to most people except for him, no-hitter. Um, 
he was on acid the whole fucking time. <laughs> he, he, he dropped like seven tabs of acid like an hour and a half before the game started. <laughs> he, he does not remember any of it. He couldn't see the batters, and he threw a fucking no-hitter on acid. Wow. Dude was a, a fucking legend. Um, so another guy that was named earlier that was the bane of the existence of Red Sox fans, Bucky Dent, came in too. Um, Billy wasn't a huge fan of Reggie Jackson uh, joining the team because he was he was real close buddies with George Steinbrenner, and Billy thought that this would be detrimental to the rest of the team. Probably not wrong, okay? And he was right, because anytime Billy had anything to say about Reggie Jackson or tried to discipline him for any actions on or off the field, Reggie would go run into Steinbrenner, and everything would just get pushed under the rug. He'd tell Billy, you know, just ignore it. He's fine. Just keep, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, one occasion at Fenway, June 18th of that year, uh, Billy benched Reggie Jackson mid-inning for not running out a ground, uh, ground ball that he had hit. Hit just a slow grounder to third base, and he just kind of putter fucked down to first. You never know. You always run it out because what if the throw goes fucking wide and he throws it into the stands and you're on second base all of a sudden? True. Well, TV cameras caught Billy being held back by uh, by bench coach Yogi Berra um, and another assistant coach as he is just, he's motherfucking Reggie Jackson, just in his face, screaming at him. Reggie's like, I don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. and Billy is fucking nose to nose with him, poking him in the chest. Um, there's video of that out there. It's it's incredible um, because this was not something that TV cameras usually caught. Uh, it was being filmed by uh, NBC and I want to say CBS. The CBS cameras caught most of it. Someone in the Yankees dugout threw a towel over the NBC camera that was right at the end of it that had a microphone on it. Oh. <laughs> so that you couldn't hear what was going on. Uh, but Billy just, he fucking dogged him. He, he was not a fan. Um, so you have to consider the relationship here between hot head coach, golden boy player. Somehow the Yankees went 161 that year. They won 100 fucking games. And these two hated each other. And they won 100 games. Damn. Which is ridiculous. Uh, So New New Yorkers loved Billy for this. And when it came time for him to go out on the town with whatever woman he got his hands on, um, because, you know, guys cheat on their wives (laughs) all the time when they play baseball, um, fans paid for pretty much all of his drinks, and that was a lot. Um, They went to the World Series that year and beat the Dodgers in six games. Um 1978 was an interesting year where the Yankees are playing like shit and they fall behind the Red Sox in the AL East. Drama continues between Billy and Reggie Jackson, who's become a just giant afroed thorn in his side. Um, Jackson is now just completely ignoring anything that Billy says to him. He's ignoring um, shift signs when he's in the field. He's ignoring signs to steal while he's on base. He's just doing his own thing. Yeah. Okay. The two get into more than one scuffle in the field. And in the dugout again, um, after one particular incident where he pulled Jackson for just being an asshole, um, Steinbrenner threatened to trade him to the Tigers for coach Bob Lemon, who's also another fantastic, legendary coach. Um, after hearing this, Billy held a press conference and announced that he's retiring and claimed it was for health issues. Um, but the only sickness he had was being sick of Steinbrenner's bullshit. Mm. Told reporters afterwards, quote, the two of them deserve each other. Jackson's a born liar and Steinbrenner's convicted. Um, <laughs> so Yankees fans were less than happy about the fact that he was allowed to retire, retire in quotes there, and they showed it. 
Um, as much as I don't like the Yankees and I don't like their fans, you got to give them credit. They're loyal. Yes. So fans protested Martin's departure by standing in front of George Steinbrenner's office, making sure he was looking down on them from his window and burning their season tickets. Oh. So Steinbrenner, watching this all happen, kind of lost it. I was going to make a joke here about it hurting his soul, but I don't think he actually had one. No. Um, but he did realize that he made a huge mistake by treating the beloved Billy Martin like crap, um, just like some replaceable schlub, and he really wasn't. So not long after that, it was announced at, uh, at a Yankees old-timers day that in 1980, Bob Lemon would be moving to the front office side of stuff, which meant there'd be a managerial opening that would be filled by Billy Martin. That time frame changed, and uh, Lemon moved into the office in late 79. Billy took over back as the coach. Um, during the offseason, he got into a fist fight with a reporter on the floor of a casino in Nevada. <laughs> but usually, like back then, October meant, meant Yankees baseball. They're playing in the playoffs. Um, October of 79 saw off-the-field action for our buddy Billy. In a hotel in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Billy met a guy named Joseph Cooper. Joseph Cooper, who is probably drunk, starts running off at the mouth to Billy and said something to the effect of that manager of the year award you won in Texas you didn't deserve, blah, 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 blah. Um, and uh, Billy starts giving him shit for being, I shit you not, a marshmallow salesman. Didn't know that was a job. Okay. Okay. So Cooper takes offense to this. And to defend his industry, gets in Billy's face, and uh, a bystander <laughs> heard Billy Martin say to him, 500 bucks says I wiped the floor with you. And Cooper said, oh yeah, and Billy pounded his ass right there in the middle of the fucking hotel. Um, again, <laughs> uh, about five days later, the Yankees fire him again. Um, from here, he went back to Oakland in 1980. And uh, he's with them for a couple of years. And while he's back there, he starts focusing on the running game on the base paths. Yeah. Because he's like, this is where you can win games here. He got so good at this style of, like, implementing hit-and-run baseball that it would be referred to from then on pretty much as Billy Ball. You're doing fucking sacrifice bunts, you know, squeeze bunts and shit like that, just trying to move runners. Um, and it's very possible... That because of Billy Martin, one of the best base runners of all time started off the way he did, and that'd be Mr. Talks to himself in the third person, Ricky Henderson. Because Ricky Henderson got onto the main roster at the end of 1979. So his first full season there was with Billy Martin. Okay. His first couple seasons there were with Billy Martin. Yeah. And if you don't know who he is, Ricky Henderson's got like 4,000 stolen bases or some shit like that. Something. Something ridiculous. And he yeah. played until he was like 45 years old. Uh-huh. And so, like, the next closest guy that's active now could steal, like, four bases a game for the next five years and not catch him. That's how many stolen bases Ricky Henderson had. Fucking guy was scary. He was a stealing machine. Oh, yeah. So after a few years, Billy got on the wrong side of management of management in Oakland and left. Uh, was fired. Um 1983 sees Billy return to the Yankees for the full season. And after a few changes in the front offices, upper management, Billy would be fired and rehired by the Yankees two more times over the course of a couple of years. 
This means that he was the manager of the New York Yankees on five separate occasions. He had to <laughs> fill out W-2s with them five times. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, in 1989, he was named the special consultant to George Steinbrenner. Oh, um, yeah. Sure. Meaning that he was basically the right-hand man to a guy that either loved or hated him, depending on what time of day it was. Uh-huh. Um, Wanted to fire him or hire him? Yeah. I fucking hate you, you son of a bitch. We're having dinner, though, so. Uh, <laughs> on Christmas Day of 1989, Billy was returning home. He'd been out for a few drinks, uh, maybe a few too many. Um, lost control of his car and crashed into a culvert at a very low rate of speed. He was within eyesight of his house when he went off the road and hit this culvert and uh, died on impact at the age of 61. Oh. So, Billy Martin's always one of those guys, like, whenever a manager has a fucking meltdown and starts, like, kicking dirt on the umpire and screaming and throwing shit. People will always make a comparison to him, but there is no comparison. There's only one Billy Martin. I mean, Lou Pinella lost his shit all the time. Like, he, he Lou Pinella would get in an umpire's face and turn his hat around backwards so he could get in his face further. Um, but nobody was Billy Martin. He would go fucking fight an umpire. I think the probably the closest one would have been Earl Weaver, the guy that we heard go on a tirade on his radio show beforehand. Um, I mean, <clears throat> Tommy Lasorda. Yeah, but Tommy Lasorda had too much belly to get in anybody's face. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he fucking had it. <clears throat> and well, Bobby Cox. Actually, now you mentioned Bobby Cox. He was the other coach that was holding him back from fucking Reggie Jackson because yeah, he was on the coaching staff of the Yankees for a little bit. Because Bobby Cox, <clears throat> I mean, oh, dude, Bobby Cox when he was with the Braves was like eighty-five years old. He's out there screaming at umpires. Oh, he didn't yeah. give a fuck, dude. No. Nah. Um. He told them where the bear shit in the woods and yep. how to get there. And, yeah, piss up know. the rope, piss up a rope and slide down the dry side. You know it. Yeah, but yeah, so that's Billy Martin, man. I've wanted to talk about him for a while. He's he's a lot of fun, and there's so many more, <clears throat> so many more personalities in baseball that we could talk about for either being fucking crazy drug addicts or just any any number of reasons. Yeah. Um, there was one guy I can't remember who it was that um. When he'd go into second base, he always made sure that he slid in head first, no matter the situation, because if he slid in on his ass, he would break the vials of cocaine in his pocket. Oh. So, because if he, if, you know, if he ran, you know, got around to home, first thing, oh, I got to take a piss, man. He'd go back into the dugout and he's just doing lines of coke off the top of the toilet. Yeah. Baseball in the 80s was fucking wild. Uh-huh. Like, man. Really, really think. Coke and Roy's. <clears throat> I think. Honestly, goddammit, if we've got the XFL, which is an NFL alternative, we need a baseball alternative where they play indoors all winter long. And the guys that play can't be major leaguers. They can be retired major leaguers, probably. They can't be actively playing because these guys are all going to be forced to be on steroids. I want <laughs> aluminum bats. No. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. You imagine somebody like Jose Canseco in his prime just roided and coked to the gills with a fucking aluminum bat? No. He'd kill people in the stands. <laughs> yeah. He'd hit some dude in fucking center field and blow his head off. <laughs> yeah. For but, sure. Holy fuck, dude. So that's Billy Martin. Ah, I love baseball. Yeah. Uh, Baseball's fucking We, we could talk more baseball. We could talk baseball for days. It's, oh, a lot of baseball. You know. So anyway, you got some shit to talk about, yeah. correct? Yes. Go on over to studio.com forward, not forward slash, but studio.com. Check them out. They got headphones, Bluetooth speaker, all that good stuff. Find what you want. Put it in your basket. Use the promo code of darkwindows15 to get 15% off your entire purchase. Also, patreon.com forward slash darkwindowspodcast. 
That is our Patreon page. Sure is. $5 a month to get a extra episode per week of this shit. Except for that one week where the government fucked up my computer. Yeah, the sons of bitches. And we couldn't release the Jeffrey Epstein shit. Yes. But then we found it and we released it. Then I found it somehow. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Um, Also, social media hunt. Go over to Facebook. We're there. Dark Windows Podcast. Instagram, Dark Windows Pod, and Twitter, or Dark Windows Pod. Uh, let's see. Anything else? I don't think so. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, until yeah, next just, week. Yeah. Or until shortly after this when Patreon goes up, because yeah. we have to do that next. Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you. Play Paul. The Wiz Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn, so down on the corner the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball, the man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, Casey was winning, Hank Aaron was beginning, one Robbie going out, one coming in. Kiner and Midget Goodell, the Thumper and Mel Parnell, and Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. I'm talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the Scooter, the Barber, and the Duke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. He was the Oklahoma kid And Cookie played hooky To go and see the Duke And me, I always loved Willie May Those were the days Well now it's the 80s And Brett is the greatest And Bobby Bonds can play for everyone Rose is at the vet, Rusty again is a Met, and the great Alexander is pitching again in Washington. I'm talking baseball, like Reggie Cuisinberry, talking baseball, Carew and Gaylord Perry, Siva, Garvey, Schmidt, and by the blue. If Cooperstown is calling, it's no fluke, they'll be with
sempre 